Hey, New City Faith family, thanks for joining for our teaching time today as we continue this series that we're calling Freshly Squeezed, of, of living a life that doesn't just hold on to or hoard the blessings of God in our life, but uh, as we experience them, we learn to express them to others, to let it be squeezed out of our life. And uh, too often times, I think we struggle in the Christian faith with being not, not having contentment or, or feeling challenged all the time. We're always feeling behind because we aren't living this way. We aren't living freshly squeezed. We're, we're trying to protect everything we have rather than allowed to be used as a blessing to other people's lives. Or we start determining who I'm going to share these things with. Like this person has to be agree with me on this, 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 and this before I will share any of God's goodness with them in my life that I've experienced. And we start becoming more discriminating against certain people or certain groups of people and wait for them to become more like us before we'll give them anything in our life. And that is the complete opposite of how how Christ lived, right? Of how Jesus lived. When he would meet somebody, maybe it was, they were physically sick, like lepers or caught in, in deep, deep sin and treachery in their life or, and living a completely different lifestyle than what he was teaching. But you know what he did? Every one of those, he poured out the blessings of God in their life. Those that he confronted the most were not the most sinful. They were the most self-righteous. And, and a lot of time we feel like we can't be a blessing in somebody's life until they agree with me or connect with me or start walking down this path with me. And I want to encourage us to, to be people as a church and as individuals, be people that regularly pour out, or squeeze out of our life the things of Christ. And, you know, it reminds me even as a, you know, you see this in, in children's lives, right? You Maybe you have a, uh, you meet a new family and they come over for a play date with your kids and you let the kids play in their room or in their playroom and everything is pretty good for about five minutes. And then all of a sudden you start hearing screaming and yelling at each other and give me this, give me that. And you have to walk in and, and what are they fighting over? They're fighting over a toy that was probably bringing one or both of them joy in some way. And they were choosing not to share to maybe somebody took it from the child. And, and this whole argument is about who gets to enjoy this. And instead of sharing these things, they both end up upset. And, and we can't live this way. This is not how we were designed to live. And, and this is what Paul pushes back on in Second Corinthians. The entire book here is, is how do we not just hold on to the things God give us and start worrying about those things, but in, instead start expressing those out to others. And today we're going to look at a concept uh, that I think is one of the mis most misunderstood concepts culturally in the Christian faith and personally how we deal with it. And it's the idea of humility, the concept of humility. Now, when we think about humility or even humble people, we often think of, you know, very quiet, reserved, uh, you know, usually nice people. You know, you, you go ahead of me and all this kind of stuff. We, we typically probably wouldn't call the Apostle Paul humble, but yet he he does in this passage. He talks about humility and, and in not like in a braggadocious way, but in a way that helps us define what humility is. The very first verse here of Second Corinthians chapter 10, this is what Paul says. He says, I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am humble 
when face to face with you. Paul, Paul has been practicing humility with them. And now he's coming to, to talk to them and, and help them learn this concept um, and, and to put it to practice in their life. Now, I think most of us, when we, again, think about humility, there's a couple of things that come to our mind. One is some kind of self-deprecation, right? Like, I can't think anything good about myself. And so this leads to a, a sense of, of unworthiness and this idea, I am not good. I'm not good enough. And we start living in a cycle that leads us into a downward spiral. This is not at all what Paul is talking about here, a, a self-deprecating kind of mindset. I am no good. I look in the mirror and I go, oh, I should think worse of myself. Look at what's wrong with me. And, and basically beating yourself up. Self-deprecation is not anywhere when, of what Christ teaches us. And when we do that, we, we start to equate that view of ourselves with the way God views us. And that becomes deadly for those that are followers of Christ. Because then we think we are unlovable, that God's grace is not for me, that I must do something to change and I just can't and it leads into this cycle. So humility is not this self-deprecation attacking yourself. It's also the, the second thing we usually equate it to is like we place extreme you know, value and, and importance on everybody else and not ourselves. Like, you know, I can never be first. I can never receive an award. I can never receive applause for something that I did. And, and this is a devaluing, not, not just a self-deprecating where you beat yourself up, but a devaluing of self where the things that you do for people, the things that you express, your gifts and your talents hold no value if you're truly humble. Like, no, it wasn't me. I can never do something that good. And again, this creates a dangerous cycle in this life, this devaluing of the works of our hands, our heart, our head, and our minds. Uh, when we devalue those things, it, it plays into that cycle of a downward trend because then, again, the same thing happens. We start to look at what we do and we never feel like we could do enough. And it, and it creates an empty kind of works mentality that, that leads to one of two places in our life, I think, which is either anger or apathy. We get angry because nobody, I can't take credit for anything, right? If I did, I'm not being humble enough. Or just an apathy, like if I if I can't do anything or what I do is of no value, why even try? And neither of these places are what God, what God teaches and what Paul is teaching here in 2 Corinthians 10. And so what I want us to do today is look at, because I, I think it, that this chapter is kind of broken into three sections. And what I want us to look at is, I think in the first two sections, Paul gives us a formula for humility. And I think for most of us, it's going to be a formula that surprises us. The ingredients of this formula will really surprise you. And then the, the third is going to be how to make sure we, we do have healthy humility in our life. And, and we are becoming arrogant and boastful and overly prideful in our life. And so... We're going to look at that in, in these three ways. And then normally when I teach, I, I usually talk about how do we experience something from God first and then how do we express it out. And I'm going to flip it around today and talk first because I think this is what Paul does in this passage. He talks first about how we express it and then he reminds us how we experienced it from God. So 
Let's look at this formula uh, here in 2 Corinthians. I'm going to only read a few verses. Again, I encourage you uh, to go back, read this chapter in its entirety. Uh, let it sit with you this week. Take some of our teaching notes and, and look deeper at these concepts. But in, in 2 Corinthians 10 verses 1 through 6, I think Paul gives us a formula here, and, and it's this about humility. Humility equals boldness plus righteousness. Boldness plus righteousness. Now, I know for me, when I first was thinking about this, like boldness, I was like, that that shouldn't be anywhere in the definition of somebody who's humble, right? Maybe a righteous person, but 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 boldness? But, th but this is what Paul teaches here. I want to grab a uh, verses 5 and 6 and, and show you what it means here. So this is 2 Corinthians 10, 5 through 6, and it says this. We then destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Now, this verse has, these two verses have a lot of key thoughts. And, I, and today I just want us to kind of walk through here and, and see these concepts that he's talking about. And it's, he's talking about him being a humble person when he is with them face to face, how he tries to live out this humility. He, he's talking this idea of being bold and righteous at the same time. It says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Now, that is a beautiful example of being bold but humble. Because here, here's where a lot of us like to destroy arguments and lofty positions. It's when they are against how we think, what we think is right. So this is not boldness then with righteousness. This is boldness then with me enforcing my rules, my preferences, my opinion. And I end up going around and what I'm doing is I am destroying arguments against my own personal opinion and I'm creating sides, right? I'm, you're with me or you're against me. And, and this is not what Paul is talking about here. He's like, you know, here's my top 10 list. Make sure nobody does these things and they have to do these things. No, he's talking about we destroy things against every argument and lofty opinion against the knowledge of God. And the knowledge of God. The things of God. And he's not, again, just talking about the rules here. What he's talking about is when somebody paints a picture of God that is untrue. This is what we fight against. Because what we're not doing here, this is how humility comes into this. We aren't elevating our perceptions, our opinions. Instead, we're making sure we're elevating the right view of God. The perspective of who God is. And honestly, as a pastor, sometimes this is what I spend most of my time doing as I meet new people uh, and I talk to them and they're like, oh, you're a pastor, you're a person of faith. And they're like, I'm, I just, I don't, I don't like your God kind of deal. And I was like, oh, well, tell me about the God that you think that I worship, that I follow. And they start telling me about a judgmental God, a God who hates people, especially people who have these sins or a God who, you know, is just out to, to, create challenges for us, burdens for us to carry throughout our life. And, and they're like, I, I, I don't enjoy that. And I'm like, I, I don't either. <laughs> I was like, that's not the God that I follow. That's not the God I understand of the Bible, the character of God. And I began to talk with them and I tried to destroy 
uh, arguments and, and lofty personal opinions about who God is and instead restore the true knowledge of God. This is the boldness. It's not saying, oh, no, yeah, that's, yeah, that's whatever. No, it's standing up and saying that view of God is incorrect. Like, whether that's somebody who thinks they've got it all figured out or somebody who's never investigated it at all. Here's a part we've got to remember. I am made in the image of God. You and I are. We do not make God in our image. And when we start to understand we are made in the image of God and we see the character and nature of God on display to us, his goodness, his grace, his desire for reconciliation and redemption, his deep love for all mankind, no matter what your background is, not what your race, your gender, however you connect who you are, God loves you, period. And and he wants you to experience that love in a relationship with him. And then the we start then fighting against the other arguments and lofty opinions who think they're right. But then, so that's the boldness, but then we do it in righteousness by doing what? How do we do this? Because that sounds good, but I know even in my mind, as I try to study and understand, I, I get a messed up view of God sometimes. And so what do I do? It says then to take every thought captive to obey Christ. So he does a beautiful thing here. He's like, okay, that God's a big subject, right? He's really, really big. And to define him and try to understand and fight against every argument. I mean, so how do we do that? We take every thought captive that we're thinking and we basically put it up against the picture of the revealed nature of God in Christ. Like, how did Christ deal with these people? How did Christ deal with sinners, those that were caught in sin? How did he deal with the self-righteous? How did he deal with, you know, when he was hurt, when pain came into his life? This is our standard, the righteousness of Christ. And when we do that, it says, then be ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Now, people, I have heard verse six here taken out of context so many times when it says, be ready to punish every disobedience. Like we think with people take that then as their job to go and punish disobedience in other people's lives. That is completely out of context. What it is talking about is when we in our life trying to get the proper view of God so that then we can communicate it to other people in a, in a humble, bold and righteous way. We are taking the things in our life that don't line up with God and we are punishing those in our life. We're trying to get rid of those in our life, right? Say, no, I, I don't, I'm holding it up to the standard of Christ and I am pushing that that is humility to become more like Christ, to allow the desires of Christ to grow in my life. And so this is the first picture of humility, the first equation, boldness to to de demonstrate who God is, to give a clear picture of God boldly, but in a righteous manner where I am constantly trying to refine and, and renew and understand who God is in my life. So humility, first and foremost, is boldness plus righteousness. Not enforcing rules, but righteousness. But in, in verse 7 through 12, I think he gives us a second formula. And these two often tie together. And I think the formula we're going to see in 7 through 12 is this. Humility equals confidence plus worthiness. And, and I think both of these, we would be like, I, I don't equate those to humility. Like, 
Somebody who's humble doesn't seem to have a lot of confidence and they don't have much worth in themselves. But this again, Paul pushes back on this and says, no, you've got to understand true humility isn't just self-deprecation, devaluing of yourself. It is understanding you can walk with confidence because of the worthiness of who you are and who others are. And many times we, when we walk in confidence, what we do is we don't work in worthiness. We walk in condemnation of other people. Like I'm going to I'm look at how worthy I am so I can condemn you for what you're not. I hold this high standard in my life and you don't meet it. So I will condemn you. Instead of understanding we're all on this journey and the worthiness, embracing the worthiness of Christ in our life is a journey we're all on. And in verses 8 and 12 here in this passage, I think encapsulate these two. So let me read these two verses together. This is 1 Corinthians 10 verses 8 and then verse 12. And it says this, For even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and for not destroying you. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. These two verses here to me, when you put them in conjunction, lay this beautiful uh, formula out because when he talks about confidence, like Paul even to himself, he goes, when he was writing this, he's like, look, maybe I do boast a little too much sometimes. He says it here. Even if I boast a little too much in our authority, it is not the authority that I have, but the, that the Lord gave us for building you up and not destroying you. That's confidence, right? Like my authority is not my own thoughts. I don't get my confidence because I think I came up with a good idea. I came up with a good plan. I came up with the rules that you need to follow. And that's, if you'll do those, I'm telling you that's giving you my confidence. No, Paul's confidence here. And he says, why sometimes I may boast too much is because it is the confidence I found in Christ in the way that the Lord gave us for what? For building you up and not destroying you. You know what? I think it's sometimes if we as Christ followers just lived by verse 8 and, and realize we can walk in confidence of who we are in Christ without destroying and tearing down other people. Like that's part A. And part B, we can walk in confidence and not just not destroy other people. We can build them up. That's huge. That's where humility comes into it. Is I want you to 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 connect as much as I have. I want you to connect with the confidence I have in the authority over me that, that that's as much confidence I have. I want, I want you to experience that. I have confidence because I have tested and tried and put the teachings of Christ and the character of God to the test, and it is true. And I want you to experience that. I'm not going to use it as a hammer to beat it, beat you up in your life, but instead as a, as a trial to, to help build up you in your life, not tear you down, but build you up. So that's where the confidence comes from. But then where, what about the worthiness? Because Paul in verse 12 here attacks something I think we all struggle with. He says, not that we, we should not do this, not to dare to classify or compare ourselves the way others are commending themselves. And this is where we fall in worthiness because here's Here's what happens when we live a life of comparison, as Paul's talking about here. 
when that's all you do, compare yourselves to other people and, and what they're doing. He says they are doing it without understanding. It means they become confused. They're confused people. And I think if you live your life comparing your life to other people all the time, you will live confused, not with confidence and not with worthiness. Because where, where does the trap of comparison lead us? Right? It leads us to pride. Look how much better I am than you. Or it leads us to despair. Oh, look how much better they are than me. It's never balanced. We never come out equal. We, we fall into one of those two categories. And you know what we live up, end up living? We live up ending without understanding. We live up ending confused. We scroll through Facebook or whatever social media platform and we, we see all these people living better lives than us. And we feel like I'm not living up to it. And we fall short. Or we see somebody and, you know, something's difficult happening in their life and, you know, look what they did. They made bad choices and so they're there and we start condemning them and elevating our own self. Uh, we compare how many followers we have to somebody else or how many views we got to somebody else. And this is not confidence. It creates confusion in our life and, and a confusion over our worthiness. And this is why Paul here in verse 7 through 12 lays out this groundwork and says, Humility is walking in the confidence, not my rules, not my standards, but God's standards. And understanding I am not doing so by comparing my worth to other people, but the worth that's been demonstrated to me from God through Christ. So my worth is secure. It's stable. It's not confusing. I'm not walking through this life without understanding. This is what humility is. I'm not determining the rules. I'm not determining my value. Humility is found in the confidence of Christ and to walk in the worthiness that is secure in him. These two formulas to me are life-giving. I can walk in boldness and righteousness and, and walk in humility because it's not my rules that I'm enforcing and I'm not, I'm not bold about who I am. I'm bold in who Christ is and, and living the way Christ did. And then I can walk in confidence and worthiness. I don't have to worry and compare and constantly be confused and without understanding. And I, I think if we just settled on those two definitions each day as we woke up and began to walk in humility, which, uh, you know, I can be confident today. I can be worthy. I know who I am. My boss can't say something to me today that's going to knock the legs out from under me. My friends can't do that. My enemies can't do that. I have confidence in my worth in Christ. And, and I can be bold today. I can challenge people to step up to a, a, a standard that I am finding joy in, in my life. Not out of condemnation, not out of enforcing my rules, but out of a joy, helping them see with clarity who God is. Walk humbly in this life. But how do we lose that? What are, what are things that happen in our life? And Paul, in verse 13 through 17, nails it here very quickly, how we lose humility in our life. And, and he, in this passage, he talks about things that we should not boast beyond our limits of. He's like, all right, you, you can walk confidently. You, you can walk boldly with worth and, and you can do these, have these formulas working, but be careful because when you start doing that beyond certain limits, you lose humility and become this boastful, braggadocious person, which none of us enjoy being around. And so what, what's the first thing he says? He says, we do not boast beyond the limits of this. 
In verse 13, he says, we don't boast without regard to our area of influence. Verse 13 says this, but we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God has assigned us to. Now, I struggle with this. I think we all struggle with boasting beyond our influence, trying to feel more important and make people think we're more important than we are, right? You, it's like the, the, the joke of somebody who's a bank teller when they meet somebody, you know, hanging out at a bar or whatever, and they meet somebody for the first time and they want to impress them and they're, they're just a bank teller and they say, oh, what do you do? And they're like, oh, I work in finance. You know, it, it's you're adding more to it than than the truth really is. And we're trying to expand our influence, influence more than reality. And here's what that boils down to, is we try to take on the roles of God and act like God when we are not God. We, we try to act like we're the rule makers when God is the one who's ultimate righteous. We try to act like we're the perfect judge when he is really the only one that has perfect knowledge and understanding and love. We try to act like we can mediate in any situation when, when we struggle to understand or we act like we're, you know, cannot forgive somebody because I haven't done wrong enough wrong in my life. And, and we start playing the comparison games again. And we try to act like God when we aren't God. We move beyond our influence. Maybe we even do that with other people. We take credit, you know, for, acting like we're, we're bigger than we are. There is, let me tell you about this, there is no joy in that. There, there's only, it only creates fear and trepidation in our life that we're gonna be found out and we're gonna be exposed when we try to live larger than our influence. God, God has given you an area of influence. He's given you people to lead in your life. Maybe it's friends or family or people at work Diligently use that influence. Diligently use that in a way where you're growing and then your influence will grow instead of acting like you have more influence than you do. But in first, verse 15, he tells us that there's another way that we should not boast beyond. And he says this, verse 15, we do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others. And wow, isn't this another one that we struggle with? Basically taking credit for what somebody else has done. He says, when you do that, you become a braggadocious jerk, right? You just, you're, you're stealing the work, the hard work that somebody else has done. And man, we can do this in so many ways, right? Personally with friendships uh, and just hearing like, maybe I did this much and this person did this much and I, I try to act like I did it all, uh, you know, projects at work or school, all kinds of, I, I don't have to give you ideas. There, there are ideas that are immediately coming up in your life. But but I think where we've got to be very careful in a spiritual standpoint is when we do this, is when we do it with God. We start to act like we are the source of the things of God, the work that he's done. I get to, and this ties in the last one, like I get to distribute forgiveness as I see fit because of the, the work I've done in my life. No, it's because of the work Christ has done. We cannot take credit for the work that others are Christ has done. When we do, we definitely move from humility into a boastful, braggadocious individual that really is not bringing joy into anybody's life. So be on guard for these two things. This idea of 
acting like you're more influential than you are and, and taking the credit for things that others have done. Verse 17 ends, he ends the chapter with this. And I think it's a key verse that's going to transition us now. How do we ex express that to, how do we remember to experience the, the humility of God? Because God did humble himself for us. And in verse 17, it reminds us, it says, it says this, let the one who boasts, so if you're going to boast, not in somebody else's work, not in uh, more influence than you have, says this, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Why should we boast in the Lord? Why should we elevate and, and be able to let that be our standing, our footing, that we live humble lives of, of confidence and, and boldness in? I, I think it goes to another beautiful passage in the Philippians that Paul wrote later on that says this, and it's a reminder uh, of why we boast in the Lord, it was because of his humility toward us first. Him coming down to us and showing us great love, great joy, giving us great peace in our life. And it says this, it says, talking about Jesus, and Jesus being found in human form, God being found in human form, Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. God humbled himself. Even, even with boldness, he Jesus walked on this earth with boldness and righteousness. He walked on it with confidence and worthiness and pointed people to that. But, but he gave up all that he had, the riches and the, the amazing nature of heaven and became a human. But not just that, not just, didn't just become a human, he even sacrificed himself to death, to die in a, in a, as a payment for our sin, our iniquities, our shortcomings. He, he didn't come to live as the king of humans. He came to be a servant to all. He humbled himself completely. And what that does for us is it reminds us that God has poured out everything to restore us. He humbled himself completely, which gives us a reminder that there is no fear in humility. There's no fear in humility. There may be difficulties. There may be times you're frustrated, but there is no fear. Because in a full, complete humbling of himself, complete restoration happened for us. And one of the best things you can do in a relationship that's fractured is being challenged right now in whatever way it is, is to humble yourself. Remember, humility means boldness and righteousness. Humility means confidence and worthiness. But it is, it is looking down and saying, I will step down to where you are so we can walk back together. You have a broken relationship in your life. You have a part of your own psyche that needs mending. Go deep. Go to where it is. Go to the starting point and walk back with someone from there. That's what God did for us. He humbled himself to our most broken point, to the darkest point of where we'll ever be. And he walked us back to the light, walked us back to righteousness with humility. So my question for you today is this. What area of brokenness in your life do you need to humble yourself to? 
Maybe you look at yourself in the mirror and you see a, a devalued person. You don't think anything you do as well. You, you've totally, you know, just everything about you, you look at and you don't like. And there's brokenness there. There's a psychological brokenness that you need to step into and humble your own mind and set those thoughts aside and, and walk in there with Christ and walk out with confidence and boldness and the truth of worthiness and righteousness with you. Maybe there's a relationship that's fractured right now that you need to step into and to say, I'm willing to do the hard work because I have no fear. I'm protected in this moment of complete humility, but I'm going to try to walk us to a point of healing. Humility is a beautiful, beautiful tool that God demonstrated to us at our complete depravity and brokenness to bring us back to fully restored and redeemed and fully valued. And He gave us that same tool to use in our own lives and in the lives of others. Maybe this is something you'd like to talk about, this idea of walking in humility and trying to understand how what it means that God humbled Himself even to, to death on a cross and what that means for you. I'd love to talk to you about that. You can find my email on the screen and uh, you can email me directly. I've set up a time to talk in person or via, uh, via text or Zoom, whatever is best for you. Uh, but one of the other beautiful ways that we get to process this is if you're watching this live on Facebook right now on our Sunday morning broadcast, you can click on the link in the comments and in just a few minutes, uh, there'll be a group of us that take today's teaching and struggle with it. We'll talk about it, what it, what it made me think and, and how I'm feeling about this. And we learn and grow together. And we would love to have you be a part of that conversation. It's usually about 45 minutes and uh, we can just encourage one another. Well, I, I pray that you do walk in humility this week, not not devaluing yourself, not just you know self-deprecating manner, but instead with confidence and boldness and righteousness and worthiness, all putting that formula together to be a person of humility. Let me pray for us, and then our time will be done today. God, thank you for your humility, that you humbled yourself in the form of a servant to come and serve and even to die for us, to demonstrate not only your great love for us, but that God, there is no fear and humility, that we can walk confidence and boldness, even in humility, and live with righteousness and worthiness in such a way that we can bring healing to our own hearts and into the lives of others. Help us to model that this week as you have demonstrated it in our life. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being with us today. I hope to see you online here in a minute. If not, I'll see you next week.